0: Welcome to the Sex, Money and Rage podcast.
1: They wanted to talk dirty to get there. That is what works for them. And they think that's just how sex is, right? And so they don't realise that there's other ways of doing things, especially if there's somebody who is used to taking the lead in sex and, or maybe has had to take the lead in sex all the time. And therefore, they only follow their own instinct. They don't, they don't have much feedback from somebody that they're with. And the other person's following the doubts. They're leading the dance. So they're just going to follow their own turn-ons and then they don't ever really encounter the wide variety of different paths that they can get there. Welcome
0: back to Sex, Money and Rage. Rage. Um, I'm your host, Ellie, and today I interviewed Artemisia Divine. It was an incredible episode all about exploring sexual fantasies and learning how to be in your body and also let go of your mind, let go of your ego through the lens of sexual fantasies which was super interesting. I learned so so much from this episode. It was super fun to interview. Adam Mesier is incredible and has a wealth of knowledge all about sex and BDSM and sexual fantasies so it was super interesting to have this conversation no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what gender you are, I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. There's tons of really good information, helpful information about how to explore sexual fantasies in a whole new way. And what, what do they mean? What are they, what are they signaling to us in our bodies in our minds and really pulling that apart? So that was super, super fun. I also wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who has reached out and encouraged me with the podcast and told me how much you're enjoying the episodes. It honestly means so much to me. So thank you to all of you. If you've been listening to Sex, Money and Rage and you're enjoying it, please smash the five star reading or review button right now if you haven't already. And let's jump in. Today we have a super interesting special guest, Artemisia Devine, who is a former sex worker, professional dominatrix and certified somatic sexologist who created tailored experiences for thousands of clients. She was literally paid to become other people's sexual fantasies and through this lived experience she developed a whole new theory about why we have sexual fantasies and their unexpected benefits. Her unique perspective is being enthusiastically received by sexologists and therapists alike, many of whom have signed up for sexual fantasy coaching themselves. She's now writing a book and teaches the divinary method, which is both a philosophy and a practical set of tools for accessing the counterintuitive value within our smutty turn-ons. Her clients tend to be self-aware, intelligent people with integrity who want to use the erotic as a lens for self-discovery, have confidence in the art of creating powerful, consensual sexual experience, experiences that access the fuller potential of their erotic beings. So sounds so incredible. I'm really excited to chat today. So Adamesia, what, Well, first of all, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. What, what got you interested in sexual fantasies?
1: To be honest, it is the responses that I got from my clients. That got me really intrigued in the first place when I was a sex worker and a professional dominatrix. When I first started, um, I was not—I uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I did. I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> I had been—I had been sex geeking out for years already beforehand. I'd read everything. I had had, you know, I was the kind of person who liked to go out in the town by herself and pick up a new person every Saturday night and have an experiment. And I um, had been deliberately working through all of my good girl itis to get to my my um, own authentic sexual expression for years before I started sex work. So I thought, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know how this thing works. But being thrown <laughs> in the deep end. Uh I tell you what sex work is is definitely um uh, it sheds light on the rest of of society it's a concentrated form of who we are um so when you're encountering that number of people all at once like sometimes you know when I first started I I didn't know how to pace myself when I could see 10 people a day <laughs> Talk about wow. being in an altered state of consciousness just from doing that. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I learned to pace myself. <laughs> but um when I first started I was I was only having a few minutes to speak to someone on the phone. Often they had uh, just a few pictures of me. Um uh, and a, a very brief dis- description of of what I was uh, offering and then I would turn up to their door because at that time uh it was illegal to do in calls in victoria um I had to go to them which is a law that is not a clever law but mm. anyway <laughs> yeah <Interesting. laughs> we um we yeah, not not good yeah. um But that has recently changed, which I'm I'm absolutely delighted about. But I would turn up to this door, you know, having no idea really who was on the other side or what flavoured sex that they would want. You know, so imagine, you know, uh, turning up to a a house in Paran, a townhouse. (laughs) <laughs> I've got my female security guard who I hired in the car who drove me there so I could answer the calls on the phone while, while she was driving me there. I met her at a bar. She's cool. <laughs> uh, and I would knock on the door knowing that somebody was going to answer the door. I was about to have sex with them. They had in their head a story about what was going to happen, the kind of sex that they wanted and they had no way of articulating to me what that was so it felt like walking into an acting improv scene halfway through the scene where you have no idea what the the motives are <laughs> what <a> story <laughs> are they are they telling in their head are they excited by somebody who is closed off and cold and distant that they have to seduce and, and then feel triumphant when they um uh, you know, get a wild reaction out of out of them? Are they turned on by someone who is, um, you know, looking up at them with Bambi eyes and, and making them feel like they're, you know, all that, they're so cool, they're the teacher. Oh, wow, you're so good. Are they, <laughs> are they excited by um, intimacy and connection and closeness? Are they excited by um, somebody who wants to take control and knows what she wants and doesn't care what they want? There were so many different options, and, have, and they would just be assuming that the, the way that they liked sex is just the way sex is. So I had to read them in the moment, I had to bounce off them in the moment. And it turns out I was really good at it. Awesome. <laughs> Turned out I was really good at being, um, following where their desire wanted to go. And because it was sex work, because I was being paid, I wasn't actually trying to get my needs met. I was trying, my full attention was on theirs for the first time. Like the sex I'd had before that, I was trying to get my own needs met. I was focusing on myself as much as them. This is different. This is like, who are you? You're already in an altered state of consciousness because let's face it, when somebody is horny, that's an altered state. You think differently differently. Your nerve endings respond differently. Your logic is different. They're already in there and they're expecting me to mind rate. Wow. What happened when I started focusing on their turn ons only and focusing on following where they needed to go was we kept stumbling across these really interesting experiences. <laughs> <laughs> that that sound pretty out there when I try and describe them. They sound like uh, I I used to keep notes in my diary um, for things clients would say after sessions because I I thought, no one is going to believe me that they really said that. (laughs) That That's out there. But what we kept stumbling across was experiences that were way more profound than we expected. They might have initially booked me because... I've got big breasts. You know, I wanna I wanna have sex with a busty blonde. And um i and I want the girlfriend experience. That's about as far as they would know about their own motives. Or the porn star experience. They want it to be more wild and primal, right? So <laughs> or or they might have asked for a specific fetish. This is when I was still a sex worker before I was a pro-dom. And <laughs> I noticed that if I followed there, I kept, we kept stumbling on these states that occasionally went into not just letting go into powerful orgasms or getting into this wonderful, playful flow state of erotic enjoyment, but we'd drop even deeper. We'd drop even deeper into a place that it, all, our guards are completely down, a stranger that I just met. And our guards are somehow completely down and we're sharing this moment. We're sharing it as, as a, a game of, of sexual fun or smutty, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, or maybe even intimacy, depending on which which direction it went. Yeah. But we're now dropping into a state where our, what I can only describe as Um, our egos are are the guards are down when the things that we normally protect ourselves from you know we're all we've got our guards up because we're worried about our self-esteem or our status or um, uh, our uh, self-identity even right they that was down and how did that get down with a complete stranger that I only met just recently how did that enormous switch happened for both of us in such a short period of time so then I became really curious about following their turn-ons if this happened when I trusted their turn-ons and specifically I started um uh, I moved from doing that 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 initial kind of sex work and I ended up setting up a, a whole play space in Sydney with various different rooms there was like you know a whole dungeon I ended up training as a dominatrix and learning all sorts of things from from where we were. And I had a a cross-dressing room, a massage room, a a beautiful boudoir, uh, various different places that people could come. And and one of the clients actually named it The Divinery because of my last name, obviously, Divine. But also because um, it is about divining yourself through your erotic when you come to play. And, And it's been called The Divinery ever since. But I started cool. setting up this real curiosity. I'd say, okay, I'm really going to look into this. Why is this happening? Why is it happening when I trust their turn-ons and follow their erotic map? What's, why is this? I need, to, I need to understand this more. And to understand it more, I'd ask them about their sexual fantasies. I'd sit them down on my red velvet couch We'd have a cup of tea before we'd play at this stage. It's no longer the two minutes. It's now a half an hour conversation. <laughs> I evolved. <laughs> <And> <laughs> nice. Evolved my processes over time. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and, I <would laughs> um, and I got really good at getting an awful lot of information out of them within that time, uh, asking them about their sexual fantasies and noticing the erotic narrative that under uh, it was like underlying it. Like these are stories. These are just stories. And stories take us somewhere inside ourselves. They're not meant to be enacted rich literally. they but they are absolutely perfect psychological mechanisms that create an effect on us that and I and I just and I realized, oh my god. Sexual fantasies are the exact story. That our egos need to hear in order to let their guards down for us to feel the vulnerability of pleasure, connection, and sometimes even further into expanded states of consciousness. There's even fuller potential there. It's like, wow. Sexual fantasies aren't something to run away from, they're perfect stories. And if we don't take them literally and miss and, and be confused and, and uh, uh, about w- what they are, but, but see them for the brilliant stories they are, we can I can um, create experiences from each of my clients tailored to their particular unique wiring. Because each person's ego is going to need a different story, isn't it? It's going to need a different, mm. slightly different nuance. So I got really good at hearing those mechanisms, and they're not trying to live them out. Exactly, it's, it's actually, I learnt pretty quickly that, that it's not as effective to try and live out a fantasy as it is in someone's mind's eye. But it's really powerful. Like, knock your socks off powerful <laughs> to find a way to live out the, the psychological mechanisms in embodied play and create an experience based on those particular fantasies. And that's when my clients' reactions, I just kept following what worked by listening and and honing and and tweaking this process better and better until I was regularly getting comments um, from people saying, wow, this is what I've been searching for my whole life. This is what I really was trying to feel when I was trying to get my need met by you know, going and seeing a busty blonde, but it wasn't feeling the same satisfaction that I thought I would from my fantasies. I was living out the exact, you know, sex act from the from the fantasies, but it wasn't fulfilling me. I was still, it was fun, it was hot, but this is different. This is the feeling that I've been searching for my whole life and I didn't even know how to put into words. This is something, and and... By the time we're at the end, you're not in a smutty headspace anymore. You're, you know, in a kind of pure space. It's kind of weird how it flips that, it flips around. And they'd say things like, this feels like I've taken acid and ecstasy at the same time, but I feel the most grounded and, and most present I've ever felt. This feels like wow. my heart is open. This feels, and even weirdly, this feels wholesome, even after we just did that weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. So, <laughs> so my this is what got me interested in sexual fantasies is just watching my clients' reactions um and then honing that process. So <laughs> um I let you What do you think um just just to give me a clue what do you yeah. think um, just imagine that your listeners might be thinking sexual fantasies are. Like what do you think they might be thinking about them?
0: It's a good question. Um, like in terms of like some examples of sexual fantasies or what, what they think about sexual fantasies. Yeah,
1: well, what do they think they, they are? Because yeah. uh, I don't know, I've thrown this at you. That's a bit unfair. No, no, that's but, um, all right. No. <laughs> some of <laughs> the unfair. narratives you might have heard or you might imagine that they might mm. think uh, the the role of sexual fantasies are? I
0: think, yeah, probably for, for listeners, probably for most people, uh, sexual fantasies, I think people would expect it's a way to orgasm or a way to feel physical pleasure, um, maybe like a means to an end, maybe something that they might want to try one day, but don't really know if they would, depending on what it is, like you said, I think it's, it's sort of like, I remember reading in Esther Perel's book, you know, women, a lot of women have a rape fantasy, but that doesn't mean they actually want to be raped. And so, you know, I think a lot of the times people have these fantasies, um, that maybe trigger an emotion in them or a feeling in their body that make them aroused, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they want that to be actualized in real life. So I think, but I think for a lot of people, um, Myself included like a, a fantasy has been a means to an end um sexually i mean i i don't really fantasize anymore, but um yeah, I think that that would be my sort of guess <laughs> for most people, but I could be so wrong, so yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, okay, and so you don't fantasize anymore uh, I know you're not the the uh interviewee here, but I'm curious about um <laughs> why why that is yeah. why you don't fantasize anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's, it's a good question. Um, I guess for me, a, a a lot of my, I guess, experience has just been, I get so much out of just being in the physical sensation of my body during sex or during, you know, a pleasure practice or masturbation or whatever of just being in my body that it is to me, the fantasy seems to take me out of my body for whatever reason, maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and it's almost like it became a bit of a distraction, I guess. Um, and so I don't know. I, I just got really into being in my body and that's just, yeah. What I prefer now. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not prefer, but yeah, yeah. that's just, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's how, that's I think you're not alone in that. <laughs> Pardon? What yeah. was that last
0: week? So, I just said that, that that's just how it goes at the moment.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and we go through different phases too, don't we? But I that's I don't think you're alone totally. in that at all. I think that that's actually and actually I think that's the first step to getting the most out of your sexual fantasies anyway is to learn how mm-hmm. to be re- to be really present because I think that most people uh teach actually what you just said, they teach that uh, to be embodied, we need to not go into our sexual fantasies but be fully present to our body sensations and to our partner. Um, and it does feel like sexual fantasy is going into your head and it and it is very confusing for people. It seems like uh, they are diametrically opposed and couldn't possibly be um, uh, together. Um, but I want to take it at a third step. I think the very first step is absolutely correct. You do need to learn how to recognise what is fantasy, what is projection and become fully present in the moment and then bring out the key elements of that story consensually within a, a, um, a container in the, um, the a game of play where you are fully present with your senses You are fully present with your partner, but you're now deliberately enacting the same psychological mechanisms that you learnt from your fantasies Um, because they are a map that can take you somewhere. But initially people, um, well, let's put it this way, as I said before, um, sex work clients are, are just a reflection of the rest of society. They're just a concentrated form. They're, they're just us. They're, they're all the people you know. <laughs> they're, they're in your social yep. groups. <laughs> they, they may even be you, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. But you get, to, you get to see so many uh, at a time. I, I, I learned really quickly that people did not realise that they were projecting a fantasy onto you. They thought that's just how sex was. And they um, were not intentional about it at all. So somebody would come in with a desire for um, porn star sex and wanted to go into a primal headspace and um, they wanted to talk dirty to get there. That was what works for them. And they think that's just how sex is. Right? And so they don't realise that there's other ways of doing things, especially if there's somebody who is used to taking the lead in sex and, or maybe has had to take the lead in sex all the time. And therefore, they only follow their own instinct. They don't they don't have much feedback from somebody that they're with and the other person's following the dance, they're leading the dance. So they're just going to follow their own turn ons. And then they don't ever really encounter the wide variety of different paths that they can get there. And they. Well, coming back to your point about that, let's get Come back to your point. Um. When I've been talking to authors recently, i been, been um, talking to lots of other authors because I'm writing a book, and uh, they say that every person who reads your book has a different version of your book in their head. And so when they talk to the author about the book, the author's often, whoa, you had an entirely different experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm re seeing my entire work <laughs> through your eyes now. That's that's yeah. completely different. Right. So each one of us also has a version of of each other in our heads. Right. So um uh each each person I know has a different version of who Artemisia is. And often people when they're not being fully present and connected will have a conversation with you even though you're sitting in front of you as though you are that version of you that's in their head rather than the actual human being in front of you and to access the best sex we want to feel seen and connected we don't want to experience somebody else's projection on us we want somebody else to not only see us but, but revel in being with us and and um, fully accept and delight in us. That's, that's what we yearn for. So learning to be present is, is vital in being able to actually see the human being in front of you and have really fulfilling sex, even if it's casual sex, you still want that. You still want to be seen. You you don't want somebody to just project their stuff onto you. Otherwise, you know, you don't get your own needs met. Basically, <laughs> yeah, you don't <laughs> I'm missing you out. Don't. <laughs> yeah, and as you know, um, I mean, maybe you you want to say add some things about about how that feels to be fully present when you are engaging in sexuality on an embodied level. You're now connected to your own feelings. You're now connected to your own. Um not just just emotions, but the, the nuances that can just you know, a touch can now ripple through your entire body when you're fully present yeah. with your body. Is that what's your experience been like when totally. you're into? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, because for me it started with just being present in my own body and even in a non sexual way, just learning what does my skin feel like, you know, on my hands or what does it feel like to sit on a chair, like really basic physical sensations. And as that, that opened, as I worked on opening just my awareness of my body and myself, and then I brought that into the sexual realm, it was like having sex for the first time. Like you said, I think you said it really well, like a, a single touch ripples through your whole body. It's, it's like, Yeah. (laughs) It's like to have that awareness, not only of your own body, but of another person's body as well, touching yours. It's, it's like, unlike anything I've ever experienced, it was really, it's just been, yeah, really healing actually in a lot of ways, um, to feel a sense of safety with another person and to feel that amount of just physical pleasure and and that was like I didn't know this was possible. this is really amazing. so yeah I think that that yeah it's it's super powerful to be present and aware like with yourself and your own body and then to be able to bring that in with another person or a partner yeah it's
1: just it's really cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I discovered that too I went off and, and in my curiosity about to trying to work out what on earth was happening with my clients. I um, went off and, and learnt lots of different spirituality, sexuality traditions, and in part of that I became a um, certified somatic sexologist and did sexological body work, which teaches you how to be fully present in your body and not rely on the fantasies at all. And you do, it is mind-blowing that you go, wow, this can take me into this beautiful erotic trance state. You can go into this flow state from here. Um, that is. Uh, uh, wow, well, it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? I don't know how to explain it. Your, neuro, your um, mirror neurons sync with somebody else. You, you, you co-regulate your nervous systems uh, and it just feels like you're in flow together and it can be such a powerful thing to experience. But then I found that there was something still missing for me. There was an itch that still wasn't being scratched and it was only when I came full circle and brought the fantasies back, the wisdom inside the fantasies back and started creating play that I started dropping into that deeper layer again, right? This, oh, these fantasies are genius. They're they're often things that you don't want to live out literally like the rape fantasy. You do not want to live out literally ever, right? But... (laughs) but it yep. is something that is creating a really powerful effect what is it doing what is it triggering in us that is um that, that is that you know time and time again somebody who just came because they liked big tits didn't really <laughs> that was the extent of it they were horny And then later on, (laughs) they're all, whoa, I just had the most profound experience of my life. What the hell was that? What was that? (laughs) Yep. By following following this map that's in there, it's like, okay, Mm. let's put these two together. Let's be fully present, recognise what is fantasy so that we can now consensually enact it. We're not projecting anymore. We're both being seen. We're now playing consensually. And I realised that this, as I said before, it is the exact story that we need to let our guards down, our ego guards down specifically. So if you can imagine, and this is just a metaphor model, not a a science model, but, you know, we're talking about stories, so use a story to illustrate the point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Imagine that um, there is a a force inside of you that is in your unconscious. It lives in your unconscious and it... um, so it only speaks in the logic of your unconscious. It doesn't know any other language. It sends symbolic sorts of things, messages to you. But it creates desires. It knows what you're currently missing and, and what you're resisting. And it sends you a symbolic story. And it's it's not sending it to your conscious mind or to your logical mind. It's sending it directly like a love letter to your ego. And it's saying, okay, ego, this is the story you need to feel appeased, otherwise you're going to stay guarded. and And you cannot connect with anyone if your ego is in guarded place. So it's desire's entire job is to convince ego to stand down temporarily, so you can access and con- uh, and share uh, pleasure, connection. And as I discovered, some of those really profound states that I'd only ever really experienced um, through other kinds of things like psychedelics or (laughs) or, um, (laughs) meditation or, you know, or dancing madly for 24 hours, right? I hadn't really... We were dropping into that within, you know, an hour of meeting each other. We were already there Mm. uh, with no drugs involved at all. And um, (laughs) I'm... We've got to take this seriously. This is Something really cool is happening here. We've got to notice this. Let's play with this. Um, So that's why sexual fantasies take the really weird forms they do because they're stories that make sense to ego, not your logical mind, right? And ego is always defending self. It wants to keep, doesn't like any change of status quo, doesn't want you to shift into another state. It wants to stay where it is. Uh, so it will always resist and it wants to protect your self-worth, you know. Uh, it gets very upset when somebody, uh, you know, you felt it, surely, when somebody just says something a little bit niggly yep. about the way get to you, like it's defences up, you're not connected, it's the opposite of connection, yeah. right? Opposite, there's a barrier yeah. between you and them. Um, and it's worried about status, which is, you know, saving face when somebody says something like, you know you know your ego acts up when you say and says something like did you just patronize me with that comment <laughs> do you think you're above me you need to be pulled down a peg or two ha huh. this is ego <laughs> getting really yeah. do, doing it, it's it's job it's, it's supposed to protect us and it's a really important job to have but yeah. this this kind of um barrier between um us and them keeps us separate doesn't it it's the opposite of actually merging into even even layers of your own self it keeps it literally gives you blind spots you can't even see yourself fully like you know you can you know that because how much how many you know your faults of your friends that they're completely blind to them themselves their ego is protecting them (laughs) (laughs) We all do it. (laughs) We all do it. And in fact, we can't survive Mm -hmm. in the world without an ego. It's really important to put your ego back on after the erotic experience so that you've got self-protection. But if you Mm -hmm. want to move from self, from I focus to we focus, and then maybe even to, oh, I'm connected with the all, the everything focus, all right, oneness experiences, you, the ego has to temporarily get out of the driver's seat, and the first level of that, as you said rightly, is a sexual fantasy, and you've experienced it yourself. Everyone who think about it, a sexual fantasy is a way to get to an orgasm, and an orgasm is a moment where the ego has to have let go enough for you to be able to have that orgasm. It has to. T- the, the French call it la petite morte, the little death, because it's a little ego death. It's just like a moment where mm. you, you've shifted state of consciousness just temporarily, like a little taste of that, right? So that yeah. sexual fantasy already did that for you. What if we deliberately Im- engaged it in an embodied way? What if we, we um, uh, stopped projecting our fantasies and instead um, enthusiastically played with them? On purpose, and, and got consent with from each other. Like instead of just projecting onto each other, going, "Okay, I would really like to have this experience of feeling this and this and this." And my sexual fantasies um, uh, show me the way to do it is this way or this way or this way. Are you willing to play that role for me in part or in full? And can we negotiate that? And and then starting to deliberately play. Imagine the intimacy, the this level of acceptance you get when someone wants to play with your innermost secrets, they want, that to me feels so much more accepted than um, somebody who only wants to see my nice side, who only wants to stare into my eyes and breathe together and and until we're fully embodied. That leads to beautiful ecstatic trance states. I've been there with, with it, but there was still a part of me that was never seen and never accepted and never was still something that was missing, and and in bringing our fantasies back, uh, for on this level is, is that answer that that scratched the actual itch behind the, um, yeah, well, the itch. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Can you uh, you yeah. know ask me questions because I do geek out, and and I'm not sure yeah, if yeah. I'm. Um, if if anything's confusing, please ask me.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, no, it makes sense, I guess a question I have was would be like where do you think I guess these fantasies come from because I, I mean I know they're different for every person um, depending on their lived experiences but in the sense of you mentioned the fantasy as being or, or desire as being a way to let down the walls of the ego where do you think the fantasies come from or what do you think the purpose of the fantasy is is it just to let down the walls of the ego or in your experience like what what's been that what that look like?
1: Yeah, fantastic. So the most common um, uh, and commonly accepted models for why we have sexual fantasies at the moment come from therapists who look at everything through therapist lenses and they are um, set up as the authorities on this topic Then they have university and, and systems backing them up. But they, they have lots of blind spots because they're looking at it through well, unfinished childhood and adolescent business that is getting in the way and needs fixing. That's um, uh, and 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 with all of the trauma discourse that is going on around at the moment, where um, trauma is the buzzword, I guess, and it's really important. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for uh, this topic being addressed. It, it, it's super important, but it seems like everyone's looking at their sexual fantasies through this new lens of trauma and they go, oh, this must be because I had this childhood experience and I need to address it or this thing happened. What I noticed is that um, it's not from, uh, while well, absolutely our egos can be sh- uh, affected and, and shaped by trauma and therefore that, that can come out in our sexual fantasies, people without any um, trauma histories uh, have equally amount of kinky, perverted fantasies as, as those who haven't. <laughs> and there's been a few studies now that show this, that um, uh, that the amount of sexual abuse is about equal amongst people who, who identify as people who prefer classical styles of sex to preferred kinky styles of sex. It's not uh, so. It's not actually the trauma that's creating this pattern. Uh, these patterns of wanting to submit, these patterns of wanting to do, um, or to dominate, to uh, are actually all going to be there anyway as well. So, not discounting the trauma that can come up. If that's something that's happened for you, then for sure, that's I don't discount it. It's real. But even when, and what I'm saying is, even when. There has been no – even if you had the perfect childhood and nothing ever went wrong, just because of the nature of what an ego is, our sexual fantasies have to overcome it and they're going to come up with themes of power. They're going to come up with themes of, hmm, who, how good, you think you're better than me. <laughs> I'll put you on your knees. Yep. They're going to come up with <laughs> <laughs> egoic <laughs> themes, right? <laughs> so, yeah yep. and and it's so that we can surrender because ultimately that's what it is it's and then as, as a professional dominatrix i so often said you know what my role actually is my role is actually to become my submissive's ego for them and act it out so that they don't have to have one and they can let go into the The blissful surrender of just being and experiencing, and dropping into those deeper states of being, which can be so much more than an orgasm. So, -hmm. from from that place, an orgasm is just a nice bonus. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Wow.
0: And so, so sorry, you mentioned you taking on the ego of like as the dominant do you mean when you're in the dominant role and you're working with someone in the submissive role you would take on like their ego or how how is that how would that work
1: think about the archetype of the dominatrix doesn't she think she's the best thing ever doesn't she just feel entitled to have her own way isn't she just of course you'll be on your knees worshiping me you slave of course everything's going i she's a walking ego (laughs) (laughs) Mm, yeah she's a walking ego right but she's and I did that so I became their ego for them symbolically and their subconscious and and not only in the way of acting um all haughty and 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 as though I'm and self-important but also in protecting them and keeping them safe while they Mm -hmm. were vulnerable I became their their wall around them for them so I was both things at the same time and if they can have a real felt sense of that, they're going to let go deeply because someone's holding it for them. Right? Mm. So, this is a part, and their subconscious knows and responds to it. You've got it or you haven't. And that's why I had to listen to their fantasies because if I had to do it just my own way without listening to their fantasies, I would not be the right antidote for them, for their resistance. Because that's the other part of my theory is that. It's not only just the exact story that uh, ego needs to hear to let go, but it includes, sexual fantasies include ego's fear. Whatever ego fears about being vulnerable, natural natural resistance to being vulnerable, it's going to include it symbolically somehow in the fantasy and it's going to include the antidote. Right. So you talked earlier about how lots of women have uh, rape fantasies and they don't want to live them out in in reality um this is this is a perfect example it does if you just lived it out literally it would just be poison no antidote and there would be a harmful end mm-hmm. result if you follow the power dynamics the uh the attitude the body language the specific Narrative that is revealed in the erotic fantasy, it has its own inbuilt antidote. So you have to include the fear in order to transform it because if you don't include it, it doesn't transform. So it has to be included in some form and the antidote has to be there and that's when the transformation happens. And the end result for both of you is the exact opposite to what would happen if it happened in real life. Now you feel really seen, now you feel really safe, now you feel actually really powerful and you got your needs met in exactly the way that you really wanted them to be met. So it's it flips everything and transforms everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Interesting. There's another. Does that you're nodding? Yeah, but yeah, I don't that's know. great. Tell me where you're at. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's great. Um, I guess. I guess one one question I had was um, so say say someone comes in and says sort of they want something but maybe that's what they think they want but yeah how do you I guess figure out I guess sort of what's underneath the fantasy or how what what that person really needs versus what they're saying oh I want this fantasy for
1: instance if if that Mm -hmm. makes sense wish you'd give me a good an example then I could bounce off that but yes um, <laughs> let's just go yeah yeah I
0: have a think of an example <laughs> so um I, well let's just let's just go with say the, the rape fantasy because we've been talking about that one like like say say I came in and I said oh I, I really have this you know rape fantasy I don't really know what to do about it um I, I don't want to live it out how like how could you read into that I guess in a in a person of What's sort of at the heart of of that fantasy, and how can they okay. experience that that freedom?
1: Yeah, okay. So each person who has that fantasy, there is no one one size fits all, so you always have to listen very carefully to the individual you're talking about, just because your your ex wanted that same same sounding fantasy doesn't mean that they have the same erotic map in time, you have to listen to what exactly their fantasy is then you I would ask things like okay, so in this fantasy, uh, first of all I'd ask what actually happens like in in the in the fantasy and and um, uh, people will use different language in the way they describe it. and I will tease out and notice okay so so this fantasy is because they they can't help themselves you're so attractive that they have lost control of their own inhibitions because you're just that hot right in fantasy in real life that would be a terrible thing and a bullshit excuse don't use that this Mm -hmm. sexual fantasies are brilliant for navigating internal realms Terrible, mm-hmm. terrible guides for external realms in every day in acting. Yep. <laughs> right? So let's be <laughs> really clear about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But um uh, uh, in in the fantasy realm, remember how everything is. It's bizarro world. Everything flips. It has a different consequence than it does in the outside world. So it is... Let's just imagine this person is is okay. Actually, what they needed was um, a combination of somebody of of a reassurance that they they're actually attractive. And the evidence was that this other person has lost control. You, you know, remember, self ego's concerns are self-worth, self worth, self self identity, and status. But you can't. And also, um, it might be really. Much more about how they're keeping their status. This person who's who's having the rape fantasy because they might ha- they might have good girlitis like I did, and so many of us do because even if you had incredible parents, um, you know attitudes of society seep in, and we've got a terrifying fear, really primal fear of not being accepted in the tribe. As far as ego is concerned. If you are not accepted in the tribe, you will die. It gets very vigilant about defending your status in society. That's why it gets so, you know, huffy every time it thinks that you've lost face in some slight way. <laughs> it was right. really linked yeah. to this, right? So, how are we going to overcome this resistance and access this sexual pleasure that you're not supposed to have? You're not supposed to have this as a woman. You're a good girl. You're supposed to be the one who's who's desired, and not the one who does those dirty things that accesses this primal part of yourself like an animal, right? So, okay, there's this mechanism right here that's going, okay, it's not your fault. Someone else did it for you. You can keep your status as a good girl. You, you know. And also <laughs> magically get all of your needs touched and get touched in exactly the way that actually gives you pleasure. You get to have all of the sex acts that you're really craving for that you can't let yourself actively pursue in order to keep this this status in place. right? And mm-hmm. um, And at the same time you're really validated as somebody who's wanted not rejected because look, they want you so badly they can't resist you. And to the, ab- con- to the unconscious, subconscious logic, that's proof that you're not rejected from society. You're a part of it. You're, you're in. And now you can access this place inside of yourself. You've dissolved into it. Um, does that make sense to yeah, you? Yeah, no,
0: that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for sure.
0: Mm.
1: Right. And then people go yeah. into, okay, well, if she just did her, her therapy long enough, she would not need that. She could just go into really embodied presence, right? This is the next resistance that comes along. But I find that most people don't get rid of these fantasies. They're not something that disappear, even if you do genuinely feel your worth and don't feel any shame anymore. The wiring is still there and it's a brilliant Mm. story you can play with because it's fun and deeply powerful and triggers everything to get to that state really effectively really quickly so if you're consensually playing with your your sexual partner and and, you know oh, what if we did this what if we did that and we're sharing oh I really like it when you do this and and, and then creating this for yourself and going into this going into where you can go with this so I I really want to move away from that whole way of thinking of, of if if I just did the work I wouldn't be turned on by this and sexual fantasies become irrelevant and just a distraction, I think. Come back full circle. They're treasure, they're treasure maps. They lead you somewhere mm-hmm. very effectively. They're sent to you by your own mind. No one knows your your ego resistances as well as your mind does and the exact ways of getting around those resistances so that you can get to those places so it would be such a shame to miss out on this beautiful tool that we could play with so Mm -hmm. consensually yeah (laughs) yeah
0: you've got me curious now (laughs) but um I really liked what you said about you know it being a way to sort of tap into your primal nature because I think you know like you, you mentioned as well it's almost like there's this evolutionary need in all of us you know in our nervous system and our physical body, you know, to tap into, I guess, that, that primal energy in, 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 and and the fantasy it sounds like is a way to do that. Like you're saying a way to safely consensually unlock that primal energy in our, in our bodies, which is, which is really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well you were talking about rage and forming a relationship with rage and how valuable that is this is that yeah. as well like desire is a really powerful force just like rage something that we're initially afraid of but once you you form it into uh, an allyship with it it is such a powerful ally it is incredibly powerful mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, That's
0: super cool. And I guess maybe a, a side question um, that just popped up would be f- for say someone who might be listening and, and thinking like I'm not in touch with my fantasies or desires. I, I I don't really know where to begin or how to figure out what a fantasy is that I'd be interested in. Do you, do you have sort of I guess some ideas that of things people could try to really connect with? the fantasy or to sort of explore or is it something that they just sort of look at what they're curious about or
1: yeah Mm. lots of I think pretty much everyone has sexual fantasies but not everyone's aware that they do it's just like dreams everybody has dreams but not everybody's aware that they do and you can um, become aware of your fantasies and part of that is going to be working, uh, having broadening your definition of what a fantasy is. So, if you're thinking of it as it has to be a fully fledged story that I live from beginning to end in my mind's eye while I'm masturbating, you're going to miss all of the times when, actually, you briefly drew on fantasy to to become turned on when you leaned into your lover's um, hug and. Uh, you were fully present with the sensations that were there, but your mind also flashed to a memory of when they were younger and fitter and they held you in a different way. <laughs> and right. suddenly your body's aroused <laughs> from that moment, that memory that was there, you know. Or mm-hmm. even if you have um, people who've looked up, they've got favourite erotica genres that they, they like to read or uh, porn searches that they like to refer to, that's going to reveal the same sort of underlying patterns. And people who think, Okay, I'm just I'm only ever fully present in my body now, they still have they still have to tap into this exact same pattern in a lived way on some level. And they're always trying to work out how. And if you look closely, they'll go, Okay, I'll ask them about a peak experience. I'll say, Okay, you can't remember any fantasies. Let's think about a peak experience. And they will talk to me about the end result first before they and so that they don't notice it. They'll go, oh, we were just so in flow. We were so connected. Uh, our hearts are expanded. It felt like we were, you know, we were just one. I didn't know why I ended and they began. It was just the most wonderful sex ever. And they, they're just remembering the end result. So then we're going to work backwards. We're going to say, OK, what were the circumstances that led to this moment? What was there? And not just the sitting there breathing together and eye gazing, what actually created the situation where you wanted to get into that state together? What was happening? What was in, what in your relationship? What was happening? Uh, you know, um, and and you might find out that oh, because I was at a party and I could feel their attention on me and their eyes from across the room, uh, and they, you know my heart started racing as as they worked up the courage to approach me. And, you know, um, then we snuck a kiss in, in the hallway or in the bathroom or, you know, what was, okay, so in there, in that ingredient was, the, there was um, wanting, you felt being wanted, you felt being desired, you felt the right level of risk-safety ratio tension there, um, you know, because you need, for optimum sexual experience, you really need to be able to access uh, not just pure safety. Pure safety, actually, you get you you bored. That can be the end result, but you need to first engage somehow, symbolically, risk to enliven your nervous system at the same time. But it has to be the right level of risk, safety—that sweet spot in there. So we take a closer look at, at how that's working and, and what were the, what other circumstances around were basically just triggering off the same narrative that a sexual fantasy would and then sooner or later you find that 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 actually is sexual fantasy it's the same as their sexual fantasies and it just happened to be triggered in a real life circumstance right yeah (laughs)
0: that makes sense yeah so it's like a fantasy could almost just be like I think you said a a memory or um yeah like it, it it makes me wonder yeah like I think Typically, like I would have thought of as a fantasy of being this really out there, adventurous kind of experience, you know, or way out there. But I mean, like you're mentioning, it could just be a really simple thing of wanting something to happen with a person like a kiss in the hallway, for instance. It doesn't have to be these really big, full blown, huge things.
1: <laughs> and that that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, even even if you don't want to go into the past to draw on, you'd want to go into the future. As in, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a really hot date this Friday night and I'm now really excited thinking about what might happen and I'm excited by this part of it and that part of it. And, and you know, I can feel myself, you know, getting ignited, just anticipating it. But even sometimes people have sexual fantasies just about body types. And body and sex acts just flashes in their mind's eye of certain things. But even that, once you take a closer look at it, uh, it has an entire narrative within it. That body type is not just that body type, it represents something and it triggers something in you. So and and that's one of the genius things about this this way of approaching sexual fantasies is you realise you separate the essence from behind the fantasy from the fantasy self. Like as I said before, you don't need to literally have that body type in order to trigger that same mechanism once you understand what it is that was being triggered Uh, i was never a um i was never a conventionally attractive person and yet i was a very successful sex worker because i was triggering the thing behind their desires right so you know it can be done (laughs) that's cool that's so interesting (laughs) Um,
0: and so, so I guess you sort of mentioned the power and the different levels that sexual fantasies can take you. So maybe if we can expand on that, like where sort of, what are the sort of states, um, that you can go when you really go into these fantasies and unlock them?
1: hmm. Okay. So the very first level is orgasm, as we said before. So you know your little tiny ego death is 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 already achieved just by living out your fantasy, and you can do that just by fantasizing in your head. You don't have to actually bring it out out of your head. Um, and you can, if you want to now bring it to a level where you can connect and play and use your fantasy as a as a a game to interact with your partner. You're including your partner in it now. You're bringing it out of your head and into your bed, right, <laughs> then <like> um, that. <laughs> <that's> the, <laughs> um, you're living the story now, right? You're not just um, uh, watching the movie on the screen. You're actually the actor on the stage now, right? <laughs> and this is this is now yeah. your, up to your level of feeling, talking about being embodied. Now you're going to feel even more. Now you also your subconscious doesn't know the difference between um, enacting something and something really happening. So if it feels as though um, that ego um, fear has been appeased through the play, it just releases the, 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 the switch and the ego turns off and you've now got access to the next part. So now you can connect with your partner. And it's not just in your head now, which was keeping you separate from them. And and it was not. It's in your body, and it in the play, and it's now connecting with somebody, Um, and this can then move into this wonderful flow state, um, which is another level of of letting go of ego and and moving into just a slightly deeper erotic state of consciousness. So imagine, you know, flow state. What does that mean? Well, just imagine, you know, a dog in the park running like for the pure joy of it without any thought whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) it's just absolutely delighting being in a body and being alive Uh, that that's not analyzing anything it's not worried about whether it's being a good boy or not it's just running (laughs) so we've entered into this next level and flow state can also be highly concentrated so you can be really present and also completely let go and surrendered at the same time That's one of the wonderful paradoxes of flow state. It's this, it's beautiful. But that's just the first layer of where you can go. Then if you want to get uh, people who are into BDSM and kinky play often talk about going into subspace um, and subspace, submission space, space, and, and people also talk about going into top space, the person who's dominating or leading or doing, doing can also go into this intense flow state of um, pure experiencing, you know, in play. Uh, and that can feel, it, it, lots of, there's lots of different states under the umbrella of subspace. Some people are talking about just getting an endorphin high, right? And, so, and that's also really yummy as well. But some of them are really deep where you just feel like, whoa, I'm now one with the universe. whoa. What is this? What is this? This is a beautiful cartoon that was been um, made by um, uh, E.S. Jewel. Um, yes, yeah, that's the cartoonist, and uh, it is of a dominatrix um, standing above a collared. Slave, um, he's on his hands and knees, and she's she's got the collar, and she's yanking his head up and making him look at the night sky, of all of the stars of eternity, and she's like, "See how small and insignificant you are." <laughs> 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 this dominatrix existential dominatrix. This is how small and insignificant <laughs> you are, and and now as a result. You're so small, your ego dissipates. That's the opposite way of blowing your ego up. The other way is making it really small and then it dissipates and it disappears and then like they're free of it and they're like, wow, now I've got this feeling of awe and wonder. So this is the, the kind of feeling that comes with the next layer of these erotic states of consciousness is awe and wonder. And, and then you start having that, those not existential crisis but existential glee. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Yeah. Right? Wow. <laughs> this is amazing. And from there, um, yeah, there people have all sorts of experiences once that part of them is open from there. So um, I think that's a deeply valuable, you know, that's where our creativity lives, our life force. Sex, sex is our creative life force. Uh, you can you experience yourself and 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 each other, on a in a whole different way from that place when your egos are out of the way. It's one of the most precious life experiences you can have to share this state with another when both of your egos are out of the way. It is just mm. beautiful, and sexual fantasies are the exact map to that and even the smutty things of putting a gag in their mouth and a butt plug up and a collar on his neck and then saying you're so little, you're so little, you're nothing and now you're free. Now you're free. Now there's eternity. (laughs) That's cool. So this is... (laughs) But how do you even begin this? Well, okay, all right, all right, all right. So yeah, that was that actually <laughs> took some doing to work out how on earth. Okay, I'm having these experiences in the divinery, sitting people down on my red velvet couch, and then and then they go away and they have no idea how to get back there again because I did all the work. I was the one who could see what was happening in the fa- in the narrative of their their fantasy, and I knew how to bring it to life in a, in a consensual game that that is going to benefit both of us. Um, now I'm teaching people how to do it for themselves and for each other. And uh, I developed a whole framework and set of tools, which, you know, because it was the method that I use in the divinery, we just simply call it the divinery method. So, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, uh, but we be- I, the foundation of all of it starts from forming a rewiring your relationship to desire itself, actively forming a relationship with this part that sends you those fantasies in the first place, an embodied level, feel the sensations. Interact with it intentionally, level of a relationship from there, and then, uh, then we build into um, then. Then once you've got that in place, you know how to be present. You know how to, how to not project your fantasies. Then we can come back to okay, what are your fantasies? How can we bring this same clever mechanism to life in play, in real life play, in, and and have that effect. Uh, And one of the first things that people can do to feel into that is start expanding that moment of satiation. Desire is wanting. Desire is I want. And you don't want what you already have. It's an urge of, it's a magnetic force pulling you to something that you don't currently have, an emotion that you need fulfilling Sometimes we think it's a car we need to buy, but, you know, it's it's really what you'd feel if you bought it. <laughs> <that car. laughs> yeah. yeah, the emotion. <laughs> yeah. What state would you get to access that you don't currently have if you fulfilled that fantasy, right? This is where we start. Uh, and then you imagine what that wanting feels like. Now imagine the satiation of getting that thing behind the symbol, like now you have the feeling of freedom and power that you didn't have before by imagining buying that car. Now you, you've, um, uh, uh, and you feel wanted because how sexy are you with that car? You've got all the yep. <laughs> Those needs are now <laughs> met. Now what can you access inside of yourself that you didn't before? Now you can feel the satiation of this need being met, of the transformation being met by, by symbolically living out that story. Okay, and most people, when they have that satiation, they just feel it for a moment. They could, they feel a, you know, Ooh, a thrill and a, and a lighting up, and and even their heart can expand for a moment, and it can feel like, but then uh, it stops, and they and they're distracted by something else. Often because they, they didn't actually satiate the real need behind the the, the wanting. They actually went and bought the car instead of getting the feeling. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, if. The, the first thing you can start to do is just focus on that moment of satiation. What does satiation feel like in your body? You know, your guards are down temporarily. It's right then. Your, your guards are down. And you feel more alive. You feel more expanded. You can feel more of yourself. You can feel even a euphoria rushing through your body and tingles. And uh, uh, it can, self doubt is gone even in that moment, right? Ah. What does that feel like? Let's let's just sink into that moment and expand it instead of just rushing past it and thinking I need to go quickly get another hit in order to get it again. I've got it right now. What happens if I sit in it and expand it and breathe it? Ah, this is the first step of teaching myself how to follow desire to get to these states of consciousness it's guiding me to. This is learning how to to be having more conscious interaction with it here, uh, so that's and you can. Uh, yeah, um, I've got a little exercise you can go and do on, on um, my website if you want to just try it for yourself and see if it's for you, which you can access there. Um, but yeah, that's that's how we begin this process. If you want to, if you want to explore this in your life,
0: yeah, amazing. It seems like it's almost, I guess, an aligning of both. The mind and the body because it's like the the mind is what helps to create the desire but then it's dropping into the feeling as well in the body it's it, would you say that's sort of how it works like it's a like you need both not not just one and not just the other
1: yeah it's bringing all the whole of us in if we want to be if we want to, to be um accepted we need to accept the whole of ourselves if we want to feel the full potential of our erotic selves we need to include the whole of ourselves not cut one off for the other so it's it's the it's the next step after you've learned how to be embodied and present
0: yeah that's cool sounds very interesting (laughs) um Yeah. So if people want to learn more about what you do um, and, you know, check out some of your work, where can they where can they find out
1: more? Okay, my website is the best place to go, uh, ArtemisiaDivine.com. And it's best to join my mailing list rather than following me on social media, because anything to do with sex, especially sex work routinely gets kicked off everything. So I don't invest a lot in trying to build my social media because I just know it's a matter of time before I lose it. So follow my actual newsletter if you'd like to keep getting blogs and insights and into how the erotic psyche works. I'm pretty generous. I, I like to share a lot. I'm also writing a book uh, called The Value of Sexual Fantasies and i am currently just launched a, um, a Kickstarter to because I'm going to self-publish so I can keep c- full control over my sex work narrative rather than have somebody sanctify you know censor it <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> um uh, uh but that costs a lot more money than you realize to, to pay for editors and uh, audio books and uh, pr and all sorts of things so i'm, I'm launched a uh, kickstarter if you'd like to get to uh, support that and see this work get, get out into the world that would be really great uh, but otherwise, go straight to the, the website and try that exercise that I mentioned before and just try it for yourself. And if you're interested, then um, there's, you can start learning the Desire Compass and then, and then start um, possibly getting some private coaching or, or access the online course or, or something from there. Um, so there's lots of ways for you to be able to begin this and to have these tools for yourself.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, um, I'll be sure to put all the links in the the show notes for anyone listening. And thank you so much, Artemisia, for coming on and and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom. It's been an incredible chat, so much appreciated. Yeah, I had fun. Thank you so much for having me. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, before you go, please smash the five star reading or review button if you haven't already. And I will catch you all next time.